Thank you for listening to My Best Eleven Pod. Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code MYBEST11POD at manscaped.com. Thank you. another episode of my best 11 podcast we are joined today by a central defender um, who has been who started his career at Luton um, and worked very closely with Marv uh, whilst at Luton and then seems to have done a bit of a journey around the Midlands even though he's a London boy himself he's played for pretty much um, every Midlands club I think he's only got a couple couple to go he's got the full set um, so working his way through West Brom uh, then Villa Leicester Birmingham um, and a large portion of time at Hull, and is currently playing at Derby County at the moment. We are joined by Curtis Davis. How are you, Curtis? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And Marv, how are you, Marv? All over in the States. Um, I'm starting to feel a little bit old now because we're getting these guests now <laughs> where I've helped. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't yep. totally involved on my own. I helped John Moore, obviously, towards the back end of him retiring, and Curtis, and we got Curtis Davis today, and we had. Kevin Foley a few weeks ago. So, yeah, a little bit old. Though. I think it's interesting you say that, Marv, because I don't think, I think you do yourself a disservice because obviously, listen, I credit John for a lot of, of things in my career, but, you know, John was old school. So in terms of the fundamentals of, of defending and things like that, I learned from John. But in terms of, I'm going to give you a bit, of, a lot of credit here. You know, I know. Using the ball, um, playing out from the back, things like that, which obviously modern day football is, everything's about that now. You instilled that first step and that, that's what helped me in terms of, because you you pretty much took over the team in my third year. So even though I was in and around the first team, so sometimes I travelled the first team, when I came back to play with the youth team, we were playing a good style of football. We were playing a style of football that when you step into the first team, that's what is expected of you. So I have to give you credit for that because um, you put us on the path in terms of that side. So you can uh, can just shrink your head down a little bit, fit yeah. back in the screen. That, that is, but, it's too late. You've put it yeah. out into the universe. <laughs> People cannot see now. Obviously, the, the podcast, if you're not watching this on on, on YouTube, I am smiling. My head is is like I said, it's as big as the screen is. And I can't even see him and Andrew now. I can't see them. All I can see is my head. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I say I have to be honest. Like that, that's how I felt. I think I, I always remember a random one where I think I played for the first team, and then like Boise or Coiny, whoever had missed the game, had come back. So I was I was still on the bench and things like. That. And then there was a game where I think we might have had a weekend off, so I went to play for the youth team because obviously we didn't have reserves. Right. I remember we played Swansea at home. I, I always remember it, and we battered them three nil, and it, like we absolutely bopped them off the park with football. And it was just like, that's what I'm saying. And, and even when, do you remember we went to Arsenal and we played yeah. Arsenal's kids and I play, I'm playing against like one of my best friends, uh, Justin Hoyt, who's over in America, um, played against him. You know, you had the likes of um, Jordan Fowler, who was really good at that age. I think Anthony Stokes played in the game. He was a bit young, but he played in the game, things like that. And and we, I think we lost 3-2 in the end, but this is considering all of these. Close. Yeah, yeah, England internationals, Ireland internationals, um, a couple of Spanish players and things like that. So it shows that, you know, from even though we were a Luton side that, you know, on paper, who are these kids? 
you know what I mean? But once as a collective, the way we played, and obviously a lot of us went on to play for not only Luton's first team, but had have a career. Um, I think it's credit to the system that we had at Luton, but also the the hunger and and everything that was instilled in you to to obviously strive for that little bit more rather than accepting what's in front of you. Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. But I was just, just giving giving you back what I had been taught. And so, in effect, John Moore did, because he obviously he was, he was with the youth set when I first joined yeah. alongside David Coates. And so, it's only what I was given, like, about just play, fine play. Excellent. No, I think- Excellent. So, what we'll, we'll do is we start off with our formation. So, we'll, we'll go through the, those people who haven't listened to this podcast before. We start off with formation, then we go through the team. And as we work our way through the team, Curtis will give us a few clues. And Marv will see if he can guess some. I'll see if I can guess some as we go as well. So listeners, listen in. See if you can guess who Curtis is talking about as we work our way through the team. So we'll start off with formation, Curtis. Okay, so formation. Um, this is a formation I, I would like to play if I had the right players. Um, it's a bit more modern than, than when I played for Luton Town or anything like that. But I'm going to go with a 4-2-3-1 because Ooh, the strength yeah. is in my... The, the strength is majorly in my three, basically. Um, not that the rest are bad, but the strength is in my three, the attacking threat. Um, so do you, want, do you want me to start off with my goalkeeper then? Or? Let's go. Yep. Let's yep. go. The stage is yours, yes. Gaffer. Okay. So um, I, I was fortunate enough to play with some some good keepers in my time. I played with you know Ben Foster at Birmingham, uh, Marlon Beresford at Luton, who was a massive, massive help um, for me as a young pro stepping into the game um, not, I, I never ever ever thought I knew it all, but was quite confident. But you know the little little things extra that you needed to learn or needed to know, and and when you make that mistake, he's helping you with how you could have improved on things like that. That was that was important for me in that first year being in the first team, even though we were winning all every week because we we got promoted. It's really important for me for for moving forward because it was obviously a very important time in my in my development. Um, but I also played with Dean Kiley, another one that. Again, I went to West Brom and he was there. He, he, he was brilliant in terms of the talking and, and helping you out. But the one I'm going to go with, um, this should be quite an easy one. So I played with him at Aston Villa. He played for Aston Villa, well, played for Blackburn, Aston Villa and Tottenham in the Premier League. He And to give you an extra big clue, he, I, I believe he still has it, but he had the record for most consecutive Premier League games. An international? He was what an international. Mean? Yeah, he was an international, um, a US international. Yes, yeah. Marv, come on. Oh, I think I've got it. Have you got it, Andrew? Yeah, I have, yeah. I've got it on the consecutive games thing. I didn't I think get he still it holds the record. Is yeah, it Brad believe- Friedel? Yeah, Brad yeah. Friedel. Yeah, 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 I think I think it was something ridiculous, like close to three hundred games really? um, that he played in a row, like across Blackburn to to Aston Villa. Um, I remember he got sent off for Aston Villa against Liverpool, and um, luckily for him, the the red card got rescinded because if not, his record would have been maybe sixty odd games short. Um, but yeah, he, he was a fantastic player in terms of turning up as an experienced older goalkeeper. Um, again able to help me in that next stage of my career. You know, I'd, I'd been at Luton in League One, stepped into West Brom where, even though West Brom was Premier League, there was not much expected of us. Um, so, you know, going to Villa, a big club where we're fighting for sixth place every year or fighting for the top six, sorry, every year, potentially trying to push for Champions League. He was big for me because the way he used to speak in terms of the balance that 
when you maybe think you've had a bad game or been in a bad position, you can ask him and he'll help you out and, and tell you, no, 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 I think you're in the right position, blah, 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 but maybe you could do this, do that. He was excellent at that. And he was just all round an unbelievable guy. I think, is he is he still at Columbus Crew? Or, oh, no, sorry, he was at New England, wasn't he? New um, coaching. England, I think he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was coaching and, at um, New England. But that's yeah, a goalkeeper. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, and as a goalkeeper in general, like for somebody, like I say, turned up, I think he was he was in his, towards his late 30s, so older than me when he when he came. And he was still unbelievable shot stopper. Every part of the game in terms of coming out to catch things, punches, um, it's just, he was very, very steady. And even, you know, pre-season, it comes to the running and, you know, goalkeepers aren't good at running anyway. Yeah. And you'll never believe me if I say this, but he used to beat Nigel Riacocca in the, in the, in the running. And that's no, no, not a joke. He used to do the bleep test and Nigel Riacocca, as you know, is one of the fittest players alive yeah. on a football pitch. But when it comes exactly. to running, he hasn't got it. But, but, you know, Brad Friedel used to get like 13 and a half on the bleep test. So What's the standard... Yeah, so the, the, stand, the standard thing is, you know, get, get to 12 and a half and then you should make 13 and then you kind of can drop out and that's respectable. But when a keeper's next to you and he's still going, um, yeah, it, it's a bit embarrassing for a few lads. But yeah, like I say, that, that shows a professionalism of him that he didn't need to do that. He, 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 yeah. Like a couple of goalkeepers dropped out to the side, to be honest. And, but it's just he wanted it because that's what kept him going and kept him... I think he played at Tottenham until he was 41, 42. So yeah. fair play to him because he's had a fantastic career and, and he's, like I said, he's, he's a really great guy. Here's a question for you then. I played with an American goalkeeper and you know what they say about goalkeepers being a little bit like, not yeah. starts to brush to say, but <laughs> Jürgen Sommer, who I played with, he was smart. He's American, and I just look at Brad Friedel, and he looks like he's not darted the brush. He looks like he's not going to have that same mantle as a brush as a goalkeeper. Is that true, or oh, was he? Yeah, one hundred percent. Totally switched on. One of the most normal people you meet, let alone for a keeper, he's <laughs> he's ultra normal, and that's what <laughs> you know. Because obviously, keepers have always got, even yeah. if it's not, you know, they're loud or they're aggressive or I've got a tick you know usually keepers have got something that yeah. they're kind of maybe they're obsessive, obsessive in the gym and and they do loads of stuff and lift loads of weights or so but he didn't have anything he was just calm knew his body did his stretches in the morning looked after himself did a bit of yoga to, to keep him supple things like that you know but very intelligent guy as well you know I got I had a question yesterday by um I was doing an under 16s thing with um Derby doing a question and answer and they asked me who would I have as my if you were in the million pound question for who wants to be a millionaire who would be your um the one you'd called I yeah. actually said Jonathan Spector because he's very intelligent as well another US international but I'd probably go with Brad because he's had a few more years experience because they're the type that we're all reading be it Nuts magazine and whatever on the <laughs> on the coach four four two, and he sat there with his legs crossed reading the Financial Times. So that's that's who the did level he room up. with? Who did he room with at Villa? At Villa, we were fortunate enough; we had our own rooms, so um, oh. he he would have been on his own. But I, it's usually you know keepers with keepers most of the time, to be honest. But Brad, if Brad rooms with you know a fellow keeper or oldest person in the team or youngest person in the team he would be fine. He used to look after the young lads brilliantly. And um, yeah, like I say, great, great guy and, and a privilege to play with him. Excellent. So we'll move on to right backs. Right backs. So again, um, I've played with, again, a, a few different right backs. Um, I played with Luke Young, obviously in England international, played with him at Aston Villa. I think he, he was obviously excellent 
um, didn't get the credit that he deserved at the club. Um, I think the way he got treated sometimes by Martin O'Neill, um, you know, um, wasn't wasn't great. Um, obviously played with Kev. Um, we spoke about Kev before coming on, and yeah. Kev, we were like the thing with Kev is our relationship. We when we grew up together through that youth team. And then we all got to the first team together. You know, Kev got in there before us, before the likes of myself and Stephen O'Leary, things like that. But he he jumped into the first team the year before. And, and when I got into the team and I was a regular, it used to be, we always used to be right side, strong side. So it was me and him along that right side. And we always just look after each other. So it was, you know, I'm not just doing it for the team. I'm not just doing it for myself. I need to cover Kev and Kev needs to cover me. So we had that relationship where, you know, we could rely on each other in terms of he's, he's ready to, to take a kick for me or take a yellow or whatever it's going to be. That, and, and that was massive because, you know, going into the team with as much as, you know, I've trained with and things like with intimidating characters like uh, Nico, like Howie, um, Sol when he's obviously, Sol Davis when he's raging. Um, it could be intimidating to someone, but to know you've got your mate beside you to 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 sort of lean on when I was all right, oh, it went bad, that bad a pass, kind of to to boost your ego a little bit was uh, was big. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Kev didn't make the team though. Um, yeah, I played with a couple of you know El Mahamedi at Villa now, um, Odubejo. I played him at Hull, excellent player. I think if he hadn't had his injuries, he would have been in the Premier League, no doubt. Um, Carl Norton at Leicester, brilliant, brilliant. Um, relationship we had again talking about that right side when I went to Leicester Sven said to me express yourself I know what you do express yourself so me and Norts used to do one two up the right hand side I used to end up putting balls in for how little through balls to Howie when uh, <laughs> when I'm a centre half so that was fun but the person I'm going to pick for my team um, started his career at Tottenham he played for Newcastle and then played for Birmingham he's an international Ooh. player I played with him at Birmingham um, yeah, his life awesome. now up I, I believe he's still living there, but he lives in Spain. Um, I know who you're talking about. Oh my gosh, he's he's. I mean, he's quite. He's older than you, isn't he? Quite a bit older than you, is he? Yeah, not? yeah. So, so yeah. Irish, of, Irish, is he? Yes, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll be about eight, eight years older than me. Maybe yeah. nine years older than me. Oh, I think is it is Stephen Carr? Carr? Stephen Carr. Yeah. Well yeah, done, so Andrew. I couldn't, think, yep. I couldn't think of his name. I, I yeah. could see him, but I couldn't think of his name. <clears throat> Stephen the, Carr. Yeah, the reason I've gone for right. Stephen Carr is, you know, I've, I've played with players in the 21s as well, like Justin Hoyt and things like that. Yeah. But I, I played one or two games with him. Whereas um, Carr, was just, he was a machine, like just finely tuned, ultimate, no nonsense. I'm not, I'm not talking about his football. He was a great footballer, but I mean, no nonsense, wants to win. Absolute, like, Bread to win. He didn't like losing in training. He didn't like loose balls in training. So the standards that he required from the team in training on the on the pitch, he was the captain. It, it made a massive difference to us at Birmingham. You know, we had a lot of young lads coming through the team when after we got relegated, literally pretty much the starting eleven left except for him. And you know, we then had to rebuild with like a young team with the likes of Nathan Redmond coming into the side um, and a few others. So with him there to to still have that level of experience to go with it but also to you know keep lads on their toes because sometimes you know when you've got a lot of young lads together it's easy because like I said about me and Kev playing together you can lean on your mate and be like oh that's all right it's okay blah 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 but Kari's standards were just there and when I talk about the hardest worker he was 37 at the time I think yeah I think I was around 26 uh, 27 and he was 37 and he would outrun everyone so pre-season front of the running he used to go in um, after a session. If he felt he hadn't done enough, he'd go on the bike. He'd literally have a 
big jumper on. He'd have a towel on the floor. He'd do like an hour on the bike. Like I say, finely tuned machine. Great guy in terms of, you know, have a drink with him. He's a, he's a scary guy. Don't get me wrong. If, if, you, if, you, if you don't really get, get into his, like, not his circle, but if you don't really get into that ch- those chats with him where, you know, some of the looks he'll give are quite intimidating. But if you, if you start to know him, He's a brilliant guy, and like I say, I, I had some good times with him on, on Christmas dues and things like that. Um, but yeah, what a guy, great guy. I think he's living in um, Spain now. He's part of the, the La Sala um, people that owned it. So I think he's still out there, I believe. But yeah, good guy, great, right. great professional, and and yeah, what a player. Just to take you back, um, obviously I'm not an ex-pro, Marvin, yourself are. You, you mentioned that Steve Carr is a winner, and all he wants yeah. to do is win, win, win. To me as a fan, that slightly confuses me because you naturally think that everybody on the pitch, and this is a question to both of you probably, would yeah. want to be a winner. And it seems, strikes as a strange comment to make. I'm not saying it's a wrong comment, but do you know what I mean? It kind of, surely everybody wants to win every game all the time. That's why you're professionals. That's how the difference between the normal person and professional footballer. So what, yeah, one, what yeah. made the difference between him and a, a standard? I mean, are there players out there who who don't want to win all the time. And uh, do, you know, do you understand what I mean? I'm not trying to trip you up here. I'm just trying to... No, no, I, 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 know, I, know what, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Kurt, but like, certain players have standards where, like, everyone wants to win. Don't get me wrong, but it comes to now when you're training, on the training field, literally, it could be, like, I mean, me, I'll take my, me as an example. If I'm now working with the girls, what I'm working here now with Andrew, and I say to him, look, we're going to play head tennis volleys. I'm I'm going to beat them, right? And, and if they and like if they beat me, right, they've earned that, right? And that's that's the standard. I'm like of me trying to give them the respect that I don't care, right? Listen, I've coached obviously boys, but yes, you've been your girls. I'm going to give you the same sessions, the same drills, exactly the same thing. If I was coaching a professional team, because that's the respect I'm giving you, and I'm going to give you the same respect, and I'm going to give you nothing if I'm going to play or anything. It could be like. Chess, it could be snap. I don't care, right? I'm not giving you anything. That is oh, exactly okay. it. It could be the same. It could be the same. No, but that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's the training side, you know. Sometimes, you know, at 37 years old, you maybe go out there and think, I'll oh, just get through this session. Um, because, you know, maybe the body doesn't hold on so well. So you know how to manage yourself through all these games and things like that. You know, you play around Robin and it's like, oh, look around your team. If you're not too sure today, we're going to win this or whatever. Sometimes that, that's how it is. You want to win, but you sometimes don't don't back yourself. Whereas Kari was, he didn't care if he was with four of the kids. We're winning this and he'd be on him. He'd be shouting and it's it's standards. And I'm not saying a lot of players don't have standards, but his standards were were there, match day standards every time. Every time he trained, he wanted that match day standard. And, you know, he he didn't accept that, you know, some people are going to come off of it because they're, they're nursing an injury or they're, they're carrying something. So they're going to take it a little bit easier. But Kari was 100% on nothing. And that, that's, I think that's a better way to describe him. 100% yeah. on nothing over him being a winner. He is a winner, but that, that's what it was. You know, if, if, he, if he had a knock and he was training, he wasn't going to slowly hold it back. He was going to go for it. And if it goes, it goes. That's that was his mindset. I'm I'm only going to be stronger for getting through this rather than holding back. And then when I get to a game, I'm going to be like, mm, do you know what I mean? A bit, a bit, you know, you're not going to go for that tackle or something because you haven't yeah, done yeah. it all week. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. It's an interesting you. question, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, left back. Question. Hey, it was a good question. Yeah. Left backs. Um, so left back. Um, again, I've played with um, under 21s. I played with Leighton Baines. Fantastic player. Fantastic career. What a left foot. Um, but 
can't have him in. Yeah, I can't have him in just because I think I've played one or, or two games with him. So I think it'd be a disservice to have him in there. Uh, How hard was this for you to do, by the way? I mean, to, to I make this I list. Change, I think I change my eleven every time I do it. Every time, if you know, like, so you're doing a Q&A so with the kids yesterday, they didn't ask me, but I've, I've done a few where, say, I'll name your 11, like, off the cuff, and it's like, um, and I think, honestly, I change it all the time. So it's like, obviously, you start to overthink and, and things like that, but, um, so, like, obviously, Bainsey, I, I, I've never involved him because I only played a game and I don't really count that, you know. I played with Sol, who would go for a brick wall, the, mo- the toughest, one of the toughest players I've ever played with, you know. One of the most famous <laughs> tackles ever, isn't it? That Stoke City tackle. Where he went, yeah. he just came out of nowhere and just... Yeah, wiped out <laughs> Ricardo Fuller. Yeah, well, yeah, he got... The he biggest got man on the pitch. After, he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got his payback after. <laughs> so, um, but, Did yeah, he? What so, do you mean by that? <laughs> we could talk about it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there's Sol, and, and I've also played with Paul Robinson, another one that is, like, tough, hard as nails. Not the biggest, but hard as nails. You'd back him in a, in a 50-50 if it were a, a, a 90-10 against him because he was so determined, so tough. Um, but the one I'm going to go with, um, and this isn't in hindsight, I, I honestly believe the job he did was was good for, for the team that we were in and it's Andy Roberts. Um, and the reason oh, I picked yeah. him is more so for the promotion year. Um, you know, a lot of questions have always been asked about Robbo and the way he defends. Um, you know, is he a good enough defender? And, you know, it, it, at times in, in the first year of Premier League, he found it a bit tough having come from Scotland, you know, um, maybe get a bit more opportunities. You can make a few more mistakes. Um, but, you know, in the Premier League, you got Zaha or someone going up against you. They beat you. They're putting it in this. Someone scoring. So he maybe found it a little bit hard the first year, but... I'm giving them the credit because when we went down and we had him on one side and Moses Odebejo on the other side as attacking fullbacks because, you know, I'm a centre-half. I wasn't holding him back. They were going to win us the games. They were fantastic. And talking about defending, he got better with his defending. And we see him now, you know, he's playing for Liverpool, won the Champions League, won the Premier League, Scotland captain. And, you know, it's easy for me to say in hindsight, oh, yeah, Andy Robertson, but I'm not talking about what he's done since. I'm talking about the year we got promoted, and then from the year we got promoted to step up to the Premier League again and then look like a player that belonged. I think that was a that was a big thing for him. Like I say, it's a, again, I always I keep saying it, but great lad, um, funny lad, proper lively, like your annoying little brother, always like playing a prank or playing a joke or or trying to wind you up and do something. So he's got he's got good banter as well. I think you've probably seen from his social channels that he's he's quite active. Um, so yeah, he, he'd be the one that I'd choose as my left back, simply because of, like I say, how he grew in those few years that I played with him. And, it, and, and I said, I'm not being disrespectful in, in any way, but I didn't really remember him when he was with you at Hull for those two years, like playing the way how he plays now. I mean, he probably, obviously yeah. he did, but he didn't stand out to me. I don't, mm. It wasn't the case of like me thinking, oh, do you know what I mean? I did, but, didn't yeah. see it. That's the difference, though, because, like I say, going from us being a top team in the championship, he could do what he wanted in terms of not do what he wanted, but most games we were going to have the upper hand. We had, listen, we had Mo Diarmi, um, Huddleston, Jake Livermore, like people in midfield, like unbelievable players throughout our team. So ultimately, he was able to get forward and join in with those players because they're that good. 
So we often or not would have the ball more often and therefore he could get higher up the pitch. Um, but yeah, it was just down to me and Dorse to make sure that he comes sprinting back because I'd played on the left side. So I'd, I'd send him on. But as long as I, when I scream at him, he runs back, it was it was good as gold. Awesome. So centre-backs getting onto your your own domain. Yeah, so centre-backs, I, I go, I've, I always go with a centre-back in terms of the partnership. You know, it's not necessarily the name. I, I, I base it on my best partnerships that I had and um, people that, you know, I, I built something with. And, you know, I played with at Luton with, with Boise and Coiney. I only played a, a couple of games with Boise. Played, obviously, a whole season with Coiney and we got promoted. Um, you know, played with Olaf Melberg, Martin Larson, Harry Maguire, um, James Chester. Played with Marcus Heikkinen. Um, played briefly with Richard Dunn and James Collins at Villa. Um, but my first centre-back I'm going to pick... I don't believe you'll you'll get him. Um, no, 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 no. If, give us a chance. Yeah. Give us a chance. Give me a chance. If, 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 if we're here all day, so so international. This, this, uh, international? Not an international. So this this okay. player is a Spanish player, not an international. I played with him at Aston Villa. He played centre half. Sometimes played right back. After Aston Villa, I believe he so sorry. He played for Rangers before Aston Villa, and before Rangers, he played for Osasuna. So he got to UEFA Cup final with Rangers before signing for um, Aston Villa. And then after leaving Aston Villa, he went back to Spain for a short while, I believe. I think he might have even been back to Osasuna. And uh, now he's playing in Israel. Look at Marvels if he has an idea. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I've got, but I, haven't got, I, haven't, I have got an idea. I have got an idea. Hold on. Shoot, would you, shoot, shoot. Would you like an a... initial or anything like that? He's, no, gonna, no. he's just going to say Garcia. No, That's no, all he's going to say. <laughs> no, it's not his first name. It's not his first name. It's not his first name. It'd be his surname of... I've got a name, but I don't think it's going to be. Um, no. Do you want an initial or do you want? Where did he start? Where did he start? Where did he start? Started at Osasuna, I believe. Osasuna. So he started in Spain. Osasuna. Yeah. When he came over, he spoke very little English. Um, like, even when I say his name, it's not going to be. Even when I say his name, go it's on not then. Going go be... on then. Go on then. I don't want to kill time. Go on. Go on. So I'm going to go with Carlos Cuellar, His name is. So he he never played for Spain or anything him. like that. But I played alongside him at Aston Villa. And the relationship we had, I say, when you talk about partnerships and looking after one another and covering one another and things like that, me and him were like clockwork. You know, we, we had some some really, like that, that season where we, we were obviously f- like going for the top four and things like that. I played alongside him pretty much all season. And, you know, we, we were going to Arsenal's and winning. We were like dominating Liverpool's and, and things like that and, and putting in unbelievable performance. And that was based on... The, collect- the collective, me and him knew we were individually decent centre-halves, but on paper, again, like I say, you look at the Premier League at the time, probably people wouldn't have said, oh, Carlos and, and Curtis are the-, are the ones to look for. But as a collective, like I say, us as a two, we we worked really well. And I think um, we brought each other's game to to another level based on the trust that we had from one another. He's, yeah, again, he, he's, 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 in, uh, yeah, he's in Israel now, still playing. Um, he's a vegan now, a proper vegan promoter. Um, really? So he's one of them. He's, he's one of them. Like he used to eat steaks and everything. Like like, and now he's um he's a vegan. So it's always strange when you see someone that used to love his food, love his meat, and all yeah. that, and now he's a vegan. But but yeah, obviously you know some people he he was always into his health and in the gym looking after his body. So maybe you know once he watched a couple of documentaries and and learned about different things, he changed his path. But obviously it's, it's extended his career because he's he's still going and he's and he's still fit and healthy. And how old is he now? Would you say roughly? I think Carlos. It maybe be. I don't think he's much older than me. Maybe three years. Right. So yeah. So but he'll be thirty-eight or something. Maybe thirty-nine. And he's still, I'm, yeah, and he's I'm still sure playing. 
Yeah, still playing, still playing in Israel. Yeah, so I, 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 it's one of the big clubs, but I'd be lying if I said it was ha- uh, Apple, um, what's it called, Maccabee Haifa, or, yeah, yeah, right. Tel Aviv. Or yeah. Oh, yeah, but but yeah, he's he's still playing over there. So um, yeah, he's he's had a good career. Um, those, but yeah, my, these, yeah, sorry, those seasons when you were probably you and him. What years? What year was that roughly? Was that- so that would have been so my first season um, was. 2007-8 I played with Larson so it was 2008-2009 so we, we kind of were pushing all the way I think I played like 30-34 games in a league and we were pushing all the way until like about four or five games from the end for the top four and then we fell off of it just we, we couldn't keep up that run and, and we couldn't keep relying on certain individuals to, to win us the games but but yeah, it was a it yeah. was a it was a good year, and oh, I say I got an England squad and everything like I was that. So that was, that's, uh, that's why I that's why I sorry, yeah. that's why I brought it up because I I, I, I know I'm thinking so. Well, I wonder if that was the time because you was named in Capello's first provisional squad, and I was just yeah. trying to work out because you're all talking about oh I this partnership with this guy. And I was just thinking, I wonder if it's the same sort of time when yeah. like you're you're getting exposed yeah, part, now to the pull up the part the partnership. Um, like I say, probably started. A bit later than that call up, but I got called up by in Capello's first squad after not, my nine games for Aston Villa. So literally, I'd signed from West Brom. I was I had a slight niggle when I signed, so I didn't play. Zach Knight got in the team, stayed in the team. Christmas, he got sent off. I I I started against Wigan, scored, and then from there I stayed in the team. But I got in Capello's squad after nine games for Aston Villa, and in my head I thought I hadn't really got going. But unfortunately for me, after that I, I ruptured my Achilles for the first time at um, at the Emirates. So you know obviously had to sort of park that for the time being but when the next season came along started really well got myself back fit was back for the first game of the season from there I, I kicked on and then I actually was in the full squad and I was on the bench against Germany um, so you know it was it was a massive massive thing for me but from there I, it just gave me that taste but unfortunately for me I was I was in an era of strong strong centre-halves like you know still had likes of Rio hanging around John Terry Jolien Lescott Jack Yelka Matthew Upson uh, you know, even lads my age, Mika Richards, uh, like there were loads of centre halves. Yeah. There seemed to be blessed centre halves, and then unfortunately, I was just at the at the back of the pack. And then, um, yeah, but it's one of those things. It, it didn't happen. But yeah, I was proud to have at least been involved and and to be seen on that level for for a sh- for a short time. But, oh, um, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a peak peak of most people's careers. Yeah, but I'll, I'll so, give you my other centre half. Other yeah. centre half. Let's go. Yes. So. Uh, this centre half, he he started his career at Nottingham Forest, and then he played for Tottenham. Got it. Got it. And I played for him with with Hull, with him at Hull, and then yeah. he's now back at Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah, you seem to have got. He's a he's an England international. Um, so do you want to do you want to say? It I or? think he's really. Under, I actually think he's really underrated. Yeah, Michael Dawson. Michael Dawson. Yeah. I think he's and really underrated. Again. A mate of mine who's a Spurs fan loved him. Absolutely yeah. loved him. I think Dawson's. You know, he's deceiving. That's what it is. You know, people look at him, you know, he's quite gangly, things like people think he's like slow and things like that. But he reads the game so well, like unbelievably well that it doesn't matter about his speed. He was in the right positions to clean up, to make sure like he, he gets the ball. And then when he gets the ball, he's a great footballer as well. Willing to play a pass, got an unbelievable diag, 60, 70 yard diag, right peg, right to left. No problem. Every time hits, hits it now on the head. So... He was he was he was brilliant in terms of he's obviously only a year older than me. Dawson played with him in the 21s as well. But at that time when you know we'd been relegated, 
it would have been easy, you know, for the team to get disbanded and, and broken up. Like me and Dorse formed a partnership that gave us that platform, like we talk about that platform to go and play attacking football, to go and try and win games of football rather than switch the mindset from, you know, losing games last year and having to hang on to, no, we've got these good players, let's push them on. And, and me and Dorse kind of had that partnership and that leadership, you know, he was the captain, but we were both captains in terms of the way we spoke, the way we looked after people off the pitch as well. So in terms of sharing that burden of of that role, but also how good the player he was on the pitch, both with the ball, defending, heading, you know, does the ugly stuff really well. It, it was brilliant. And because we got promoted that year, obviously was was an excellent year for, for both of us as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like I said, I think he's very underrated, very underrated. Okay, what we can do is we're going to take a, a short break um, and hear from our sponsors. And then what we'll do is when we come back after the for the second half, uh, we will hear about uh, midfield and up front for Curtis Davis. Support for My Best Eleven Pod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking the world and is now available in all of Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. So you can get 20% off and a free shipping with the code my best living pod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code of my, my best living pod. Your balls will thank you for it. Great. So we're back for part two of Curtis Davis, my best 11 podcast. So far we have Brad Friedel, Stephen Carr, Andy Robertson, Carlos Kira, and uh, Michael Dawson. So we're now going to go, he's gone for four, two, three, one. So we're now going to go for a couple of um, holding playmakers. Uh, depends on which way you see it. Um, depends on if you're Gareth Southgate or in that in that in that two. So we'll go from there, whichever one you prefer. Was it four two three one or was it four one three two? No, it was a four two three one. Okay. Well, Jeez, you're getting your numbers wrong here. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> I think I think you're still still getting a bit excited about what I said at the beginning of the show. So you're getting getting more formation I'm playing. But I am. Um, I am. <laughs> so um for my midfield two um you know I had decisions to make you know I've, I've played with with obviously Wayne Rooney at Derby unbelievable player um but for me obviously I haven't played with him at his peak he's, he's obviously unbelievable in terms of give him a ball he'll take the ball in a phone box hold on to it and then he'll be able to play a 60 yard ball without looking do you know what I mean that kind of stuff he yeah. he well he's your gaffer now isn't he He's, he's now the gaffer, gaffer, yeah. Yeah, so he's now the gaffer. Um, so I don't Does he, get, does he join in? No, no, he doesn't join in anymore. No, no, he's, he's literally just hung his boots up. Now he's the gaffer and, and that's it. Um, I think even if we needed players, I don't think he'd, he'd join in because he's one of them at this stage of his career, he has to train every day to make sure that he stays, keeps a level of fitness and and I don't think he'd, he'd be able to to just turn it on and join in I mean but um yeah. but yeah obviously what he's done in his career and things like that and uh, I don't want to kiss his backside too much so I think it's it's important that I don't have him in because uh, I might get <laughs> some stick about it um but I, I mentioned earlier I played with Nigeria Coca um very again a, a player that I believe is underrated um engine absolute up and down wins tackles drive forward with the ball knew his, knew his role you know drive forward with the ball give it to the person that's going to supply the assist give it to the person that's going to score the goal that was it he, he, that was his role and, and, he, and he, he took to it. But again, I believe underrated. And, and I think he, he's another one that maybe was a bit unfortunate that 
he never quite got an England cap because, you know, for, for all the games in the under-21s that he played, captain the under-21s, um, I believe he was on the standby list for one of the World Cups. Um, so to be on the standby list for one of the World Cups or Euros and then never get a cap, um, obviously highly frustrating. But yeah, he's a good player, underrated. Um, also, Jake Livermore played with, still uh, one of my good, good friends, um, England international, played with for England literally, I think, Season before last, Cup, he, was, he, was, he was in a World Cup squad, wasn't he? I don't. He didn't. He didn't make did he the. Make squad? Um, no, he, I know didn't he was, squad, he was but, sniffing around the team at that time, wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah, but that's that's the unfortunate <clears throat> thing. He was in the squads then, and then he he didn't get to the World Cup, and then he was back in them <laughs> a bit after. So it was quite frustrating for him um, having played all those games. Um, but the first, oh, I played with Stan Petrov as well. I have to say, still in Petrov, what a player! Um, unbelievable talent, unbelievable. When you talk about that work ethic. Um, Angry man, angry man syndrome when when it doesn't go his way. But, you know, talking about going in the gym, doing the extras, doing the little bits that will take him that next level, especially, you know, his diet, things like that. Like, you know, us, us English players, especially being young, you know, I'll go in the thing and I'm having a stir fry, I'm having this, whatever. Not, not eating unhealthily, but having this big plate. You know, Stan will be salad, all the little bits and bobs, all the fish, all the... All the like eggs and I think just just like looks like a lovely colourful plate that I wouldn't enjoy but he did that because he knew it looks after his body and therefore he was able to perform at his best when he when he does that but um but unfortunately Stan doesn't make it even but who I've gone with first of all uh, I have to have to say yes yeah. so the first first player I went with he started his career at Derby he then had a move to Tottenham but whilst he was at Tottenham he had a loan uh, to Wolves where he, he played in the midfield with Paul Ince um, but then he went on to play for Tottenham and play for England. But after Tottenham, he moved to, to Hull City. And then after Hull City, he, he, he moved to Derby. So let's see if you can... He's a uh, big boy. He's a big, big He's boy. A big He's a big boy. He's right. Where did he start? Uh, where? Started Derby. at Derby County. Okay. Or moving to Tottenham, where he had a loan spell at Wolves. And then he joined me at Hull and then also joined me at Derby. I haven't got it. Andrew, you better say. I haven't got it. Tommy Huddleston. Yep, Tommy, Tommy Huddleston. Right. Yeah. Again, he's a, Tom, he's a unit. Is he actually a unit? Yeah. He looks like a unit on TV. He's, he's a unit, but he's a freak of nature because nobody his size, you know, like he's got the build of like a rugby player or something, mm. but nobody his size should have the feet that he's got. He's one of the best passers I've ever seen, not just played with, I've ever seen. When you talk, when I was speaking about Wazza earlier, you know, can pick up a ball, hit his six yards. Like Tom... Left foot, right foot, inside of the boot, outside of the boot, 60 yards, 30 yards. Whatever kind of pass you want, it's in his locker. Like, no no problem, no issue at all. And for me as a centre-half that's played with him, obviously, listen, he was one of my good friends before he signed for Hull. Um, but we had a good uh, friendship as well. But the thing with me is that reliability. You know, I'm the centre-half when you're in the Premier League and, and you know, teams are going to press you and things like that. And I know that I can just roll it in that triangle, you know, from the left side centre-half into him and he can play it back out or or he'll take it and he'll turn. To have that reliability to know that he's not going to hide. If I'm in trouble, he's going to help me out. And I can give him the ball even when he's got maybe a man up his backside and he's going to take it because his feet are that good. And then once he does move his body, obviously being strong, he'll be able to hit a diag to the other side or he'll be able to drop it out to the, to the opposite fullback. It was just, his ability was scandalous. And I think like he's, he's actually out of out of the game at the moment. He hasn't hasn't got a club at the moment, which I think is a massive massive shame because somebody's missing that player. But I think it's just ultimately, you know, if you're not in the Premier League, the type of player that Tom is, 
Um, and obviously, I, I, like in terms of maybe what, what his wage demands would be, it might be seen as a luxury. But I think if you're in a progressive team that, that want to win games and you can afford that that holding number number four or number six, whatever you want to call him, Tom's the man that, that you go through all day long. It's funny that you, I mean, obviously you've played with him and you've, or you've worked with him day in, day out. And I've not, I've, I've only just seen him by seeing some of his goals. Some, you mean, the way he strikes the ball is like, I mean, you, we, I mean, we call it checkers, obviously, but he's hit the ball sometimes. He's seen some of his goals. And I've seen this one where it's just off the ground by maybe like two, two inches and it's just going like an arrow and the ball's not spinning. You know, sometimes people hit the oh, ball and it spins. Yeah. His ball's like just going like, like it's come out of a cannon or um, a rocket. <laughs> yeah. It does, doesn't it? It, look, it, just goes, yeah. it just goes straight. It's really yeah. clean strike. His technique, like I say, I think, when because basically I, I, I almost recruited him to come to to Derby, obviously coming to Hull, he he when I, I'd signed before him, he was he was on the verge of coming from Tottenham. And I said, "Come, we've got some good players here, you, you'll enjoy it. You know, we'll have a good time." Blah blah blah, and he signed for Hull, and then I managed to you know recruit him for Derby as well. When when I left Derby, um, Derby had, had had started talking about talking to me about Tom and saying, "What about him?" Say, "Get him if you can get him, get him." I said because he will take us to that next level. We had some really good midfielders there, don't get me wrong, but somebody of that know-how in terms of, one, how to get promoted from the championship, two, of playing Champions League games. You know, he was captain at um, the San Siro, things like that. Wow. Like, you know, to, to captain Tottenham in big Champions League games, I think in the quarterfinal, he's the captain. So he's obviously, he's obviously got good stock and, and he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been at that level for that long if he wasn't such a good player. I think the only thing truly that... that scuppered his Tottenham career was he had a, a few niggling injuries and you know they had the likes of the Dembele's and, and, and good players around that they maybe couldn't hold on to it so but listen as a, as a as a as a friend obviously a great great friend but as a player wow well, yeah definitely definitely had to be in my team um, whether he's my friend or not he would have been in my team yeah right and um, the second one um, again this one's going to be quite easy um, well, I say it quite easy. Marv didn't get the last one, but this is this is yeah. This this is a player that actually he he started at Aston Villa and he started his career as basically his first introduction to the first team was playing as one of a three in in the back, playing the left side of a three. Um, so he started there. He he went on to play probably I don't know maybe five hundred games for Aston Villa before moving on and going to Man City. And then after Man City, he, um, he, he won the title at Man City. And then I think he maybe won a couple of titles. Um, he went on and, and then signed for Everton. Uh, stayed at Everton maybe for two or three years. And then he, he wound down his career at, at West Brom. Um, I can give you an extra clue if you'd like. No, I, because I think it's I've gonna... got it. I don't know. Yep. And you got it? I think I've got it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 this, is, this is the one that I, I knew would be in your team. He's that good. Yeah. Gareth so, Barry? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Record Premier League um, yeah. appearance holder. Now, that's not a fluke. You know, when you talk about people, you know, oh, did he play for a bad team and did he play every week because he's in a bad team? He went to Man City turned it on. Yeah. He went to Everton, still managed to turn it on, still even hung on at the back end of his career at West Brom playing great football because he's the unassuming one in terms of, you know, when you talk about professionalism and, and things like that, he wasn't necessarily in the gym doing lots of extras and things like that. But in terms of when we got on that training pitch, he always trained immaculately. He always made sure that 
regardless of of what again what was going on with his body and things like that he, he if he was out there he was out there to train properly and he wasn't a, a big you know shout a holler he was our, he was our captain he's our captain because you could rely on him he was going to give you the seven slash eight out of ten minimum every game you know again talking about the way I spoke about Tom giving the ball and he'll look after it his ball retention I don't think I've played with a person that's got better ball retention in terms of you know like he'd take it so so close to man man up his backside and not necessarily just shovel it back to you or shovel it back to the other centre half. He'll he'll wriggle, wriggle, turn, use his body, either find a little clip down the channel or he'll work away out and he'll drive into the midfield. You know, he he, he still scored goals. Um, obviously, towards the back end of his career, he's playing a bit deeper, but he used to score goals for us. Used to take penalties. Um, obviously, I think 50, 60 caps for England. Yeah. What what a player and and like I say it, again when I say it's an honour like this guy to. To have been on the same team as him was was a big big deal, and you know, like I said, he wasn't that captain that was shouting, hollering, and things like. Unless he needed to, don't get me wrong, but he just led by example. He just oozed class and just oozed leadership from 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 what he did on the football. Excellent, excellent. So we'll move on to the attack, the forwards, the flair. Okay, so my attacking three. So um, again, played with some good players. Um, Nathan Redmond uh, played with him as a young young boy at, at, at Birmingham, and we I remember we played a game in the Europa League um, when he was seventeen against Nacional de Qualifier. We drew, drawn the first game nil nil, and then the second game they come to our place. Um, obviously, we just wanted to make sure they didn't get the away goal and we could score. Nathan Redmond tore them apart. This is the team that finished I think fourth in Portugal, maybe fifth in Portugal. He tore them apart. He was seventeen years old. He ripped them apart like. He had an individual, like, I think you could probably even find it on YouTube. He had an individual showreel from that game where skills, beating people, megging people, but it was effective. It wasn't just like a showboat or no. I'm going to do a step over and go nowhere. And that's when I knew, listen, this kid, in terms of mentality, first and foremost, this is a massive game for us. But mentality was one thing, but his ability to go and do all that was, was amazing. But <laughs> saying all that, Unfortunately, he hasn't made my team. Um, but, you know, I also played with Robert Snodgrass, who, who's obviously now at West West Brom. I haven't left West Ham. Um, Hatem Ben Arthur. If I'd played more with him, he's one of the best players I've ever played with in terms of if I'd played more with him and if he'd been able to do it in the games, he wasn't as lazy as he was because his ability, unreal. You know, Ravel Morrison, another one. If, if Rav hadn't had all his off-field problems, ability-wise, honestly, if, if I became a manager tomorrow... First person I'm calling is Ravel. And really? that's no that lie. He's that good because I believe I've got the mentality to kind of give him a bit, but take a bit. But he, he's that good. I'd, I'd love him at Derby now. That's that's how much I rate him. And, and I know, listen, he's had off-field problems, but people forget he had those off-field problems when he was 18, 19, 20. He's been away for a long time and, and he's 28 now, 27. So people people have short-term memories that they think, oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a problem, blah, blah. But I'd sign him tomorrow if I could. Um, so yeah, had Ravel, Jason Kumas, another really good player. Um, Kumi just very, very, what can I say? In terms of off the pitch, probably liked to drink, liked to liked to like socialise with his friends, with his family, whatever, blah, blah. But when he was on the football pitch, like, and I'm not talking about necessarily in training, but when he came to a Saturday, he was on it. Like he was, he was a scandal. Like in terms of a, for a player that I didn't really know a lot about when I turned up to West Brom because I turned up and he was on loan at Cardiff. He'd fallen out with Brian Robson. When he came back, obviously I'd heard, oh, Kumi's a good player, good player. 
I was really impressed and he showed some some really, really great, great ability. And and another one I have to give a special mention is Burko. Burko, I think Kev mentioned him on his podcast as well. But uh, Amit Burkovic, you know, lazy. <laughs> lazy. Um, Everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, lazy, lazy, one of the laziest guys on the pitch. Obviously, like I say, me and Kev played right side. So that's why I had to look after Kev a few more times than I needed to. Uh, but in terms of big goals, big moments, ability to, to, to create something out of nothing... He was that one in our team that if it was, you know, a really, really tight game, you're looking at Burko's going to win us the game. You know, we had Howie who could go and win a header. We had Nico who could play lovely passes. But Burko, the way that Burko he has the ability... Overhead, overhead kicks yeah. against Leicester. Yeah, yeah overhead kick against Leicester. Unbelievable. Um, scoring the winner against Palace in our first game um, in the championship, you know, to win the game 2-1. Like, unreal. You know, it's it's just... But, you know, he was a player that, again, I, I believe totally underrated. But I guess if he'd played maybe nowadays, he would have got a bit more credit for the way he played. But he would have to change a lot about what he did. You know, his lifestyle in terms of his diet, uh, working a bit harder, things like that. But I'm telling you, if he played now, you know, you look at like the likes of the Brentford players, you know, the Ben Ramas and players like that. He, he would have fitted that mould if he just looked after himself and became a bit more of an athlete. But yeah, Burko, yeah. but again, he hasn't made it. So my three are, so I'm going to obviously name them one, but one at a time. On the left-hand side, I'm going to have Ashley Young. And Ashley Young is the, the best player I've played with. Um, in terms of, you know, I played with Gareth Barry, who has that special mention um, in terms of, you know, what, he, what he'd done in his career and things like that and the leadership he was. But Ashley Young, in terms of actual raw ability that he was projecting at the time I played with him, Ashley Young is by far the best player i played with, you know. He used to cut in from the left-hand side and he used to, he used to do the one, he used to just take him, take him down a bit, take him down a bit, cut in from the left-hand side, whip it, top corner, score. Or whip it in the cross, you know, John Crew on the end of it. He, his ability, you know, having turned up, having played um, with him in the under-21s, um, knew him, he turned up, I knew he was good. But he just stepped to another level. And I think as much as, you know, Martin O'Neill didn't work for myself and, and others, Martin O'Neill, like I said about Sven, um, saying to me, express yourself. Martin O'Neill gave him that license to do what he wanted. And Ash took full advantage of that because when he did what he wanted, he made things tick. And even, you know, we're, we're a side, this isn't disrespectful to us, but we were a side that finished in the top six for three years in a spin. But we would still, if the chips are down, get the ball to Ash. Not, not oh, let's try playing up, like building up, blah, blah, blah. Get the ball to Ash as quick as you can. You know, we had Gareth Barry in our team, um, uh, I won't say the other one because Petrov, he's, you know, he's, yeah. <laughs> Petrov, Nigel Ryokoka, Stuart yeah. Downing. Um, we had those players in our team, yet we still said, get the ball to Ash. And more often than not, he'd turn on the goods. And that was the year, so the 2008-2009 season, um, that was when he got Young Player of the Year um, in terms of the PFA Young Player of the Year. So he obviously and went he didn't, on... He didn't hang around long. Yeah, so he didn't hang around long and then ended up winning. Yeah. Much. Did he win everything at United? He must have been there when they won the Champions League. I he? think... No, no, he wasn't there. I don't believe when they won the Champions he, he came after the Champions League. He was still, because they won the Champions League um, 08, wasn't it? When they beat Chelsea. Um, yeah. And he signed, he signed after that. Um, so he, he signed like about 2012, I'm guessing something like that. But uh, but yeah, the career he's had, obviously, I, sorry, I didn't talk about his career beforehand, but, you know, started at Watford. Um, did, did I think at one point he was on the verge of getting released by Watford, but got into the really? team, did well. Yeah, set up a lot of goals, him and Marlon King. Yeah. Um, set up a lot of goals uh, for, for Marlon and then obviously went on to Aston Villa for £10 million became a, a key figure for, for Aston Villa 
obviously moved to Manchester United. And, and this is the biggest credit I can give Ash for a player that played with that arrogance, played with that swagger. You know, I'm the main man. To go to Manchester United and play his position, obviously he was brilliant. But then to then, when they said, oh, can you play left back for us? Or can you play yeah. right back for us? For him to have the humility to say, to not say, hang on, I'm, 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 a, I'm really good at my position. I'll go play for someone else and play in my position. To have to merely say, no, I want to play for Manchester United and take a step back and go to right back, go to left back. He went to the World Cup with England as a left back. And I never, ever thought I would have seen that. You know, a right-footed left back go into the World Cup with England and it was a left winger, basically. I never would have thought I'd seen that. And, you know, now he's in, he's in um, Inter, is that Inter Milan. Yeah, he's at Inter Milan and he's playing as a wing back and it's perfect for him. And, and he's still, you know, he's a whippet. Again, diet wise, professionalism in terms of going in the gym and all that. Nah, doesn't do that. And it's totally different for different people. He didn't believe in all that. And that's what worked for him. But rarely gets injured. And like I say, he's a whippet. He's a thoroughbred. He just runs up and down that line, puts in great balls, great touch, can score a goal, can create a ball, put a cross in. Yeah, Ashley Young. Again, the, the best player I've played with and, and totally deserves to be in my team. That's great. And how old is he now? Because he's that intimate. Same, same now, age as he? me. Yeah, same age great. as me. So he's he'll be 36 in like the end of the end of this um this season. I'm so him. yeah. Yeah, he's he's done fantastically well. How's um, his Italian? Is he good? You speak to him a lot I'm, or not? I haven't I haven't spoke to him for ages. Like I've, I've obviously caught up with him now and then on social media and things like that, but in general, um, I, like you know, it's always the way when you play with players and things like that. You, you, you're usually close while you're there, and it's once you go yeah. away and years go by, you know, you grow a little bit further. Especially, listen, the fact that, of all due respect to myself, but he's gone to Manchester United into Milan, and I'm I've I've gone like the other way. I've probably fallen down the pecking order in terms of towards the Championship and things like that. I'd never want it to seem like I'm texting him. Oh yeah, like because he's a Man U player or things like that. You know, sometimes people get a lot of. Oh, oh, I played with him a few years ago. I'll text Dash. I'll text. I never wanted it to be like that. So I think that's why, you know, sometimes you let, give people their distance and catch up when it's necessary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but next I'm going to go for another player um, that I would have mentioned in the thing, in that team that I, I couldn't mention because he's going to be my team. He started his career at Leeds, um, was actually one of the youngest goals. I think he was the youngest goal scorer in the Premier League at one time. Um he then went on to Newcastle after signing for Newcastle. He had a, a loan spell at Aston Villa, um, but then ended up going back to Newcastle. Played for Newcastle quite a few games. He then signed for Aston Villa on a permanent deal. Um, and then after leaving Aston Villa, he went to Man City. And after Man City, he went to Liverpool. And um, he, he's played... He's got a bit of a reputation of being Mr. Boring. Yeah, but he's also he's also had had maybe again about maybe sixty England caps. Plays every position on the pitch. Yeah, um, I think you all know who it is. Yes, James Milner, fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely sensational player. And when I talk about Ash being the best player I've played with, Millie is easily the best professional I've played with. And like I said, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Um, in terms of you know going in the gym, doing the extras, um, the hydration, the eating, the meals, everything. But Millie is the, the absolute. If if I were going to say model yourself on one player in terms of by textbook, it'd be James Milner, because you know talking about diet, um, workload, like after training, doing free kicks, practicing free kicks, practicing shots, um, going in the gym, doing pre-act, doing after sessions, doing gym, doing legs, doing this, getting massage, make sure he does this hydration like 
I've got a funny story like it's hydration basically when we were, used to go away with England 21s used to get our hydration checked in the morning to make sure you're not dehydrated blah blah and um, he used to be the lowest every day basically because he's up there he's just literally he's in your room when you're playing uh, playing your PlayStation where they like, like drinking water like drinking about 10 bottles of water so one day uh, Nader Manua who was in, in on the squad as well said I'm going to beat him I'm going to beat him tomorrow I'm going to beat him because <laughs> Millie again wanted to win everything so I'm going to beat him. So Nadam literally took a whole crate of waters to his room and he was just there squeezing these waters like belly aches, all sorts, squeezing these waters. Must have, must have drunk about like that night, maybe 15 waters. So like you're talking about seven and a half litres of water. And then uh, go down the next day, obviously goes, he said it, it cost him in the night because he was up and down to the toilet all the time. But <laughs> go in the morning, do the pee test and then um, like obviously the results get posted at breakfast, whatever, like they put it up just see where your number is. And Millie's looked and he's like, Nadam beat him like Nadam was like near enough clear like he's like coming from the river <laughs> Nadam's it's like point point like whatever two 1.5 or whatever and then Millie was like say 2.5 he's like what? thinking looking around like, as he, he hasn't said anything but you could just tell like he was a bit frustrated with it but that's what he was he, he was someone that wanted to win everything win all the little games um Mr Reliable in terms of what I said about Gareth will give you a 7 out of 10 8 out of 10 every single game could take free kicks could cross the ball, um, brave in a tackle. And that's why, you know, I, I, honestly, and I, I don't mean this like jokingly, if I had to put James Milner in goal, I'd still back him to have a good game. That's the kind of player that he is. So talking about him playing left back for, for Liverpool, right back for Liverpool, centre mid, attacking midfield, right wing. Um, I, I, if I played him in goal, I wouldn't be worried about him because he finds a way to adapt to the position and he does the best version of that. So that's that's the biggest credit I can give him. He's an unbelievable professional, um, somebody to look up to. Never had a drink in his life, um, and yeah, even though people say he's boring, things like that, he's he's a good kid and and he plays it really well. I like his um, his boring Milner things that he does where he, yeah. he's ironing, ironing mean, his yeah. yeah ironing his pants and things like that. He's, uh, he's it was wasn't that, he cutting his grass with scissors during yeah, lockdown cut, and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, he's cutting his grass with scissors. He had his lockdown eleven with all his favorite condiments on the table and things like that. So. Yeah, he's he's really brilliant and yeah, excellent player and and a, a good guy. I wonder uh, where he is appearance wise. He has to be up there with. A, he's the, second. The most I think. Appearance. It has to be. So I, yeah, I think he's second behind Gareth. Um, but I think Gareth might have maybe sixty odd games maybe on him. So you'd. Back- no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I meant I meant like in total. You know, like these people like gigs and. Oh, like thousand yeah. games and all that sort of stuff. Those appearances, yeah. because like he was in the team at seventeen, wasn't he? So well, yeah. he's in the team at sixteen at Leeds. That's what I'm saying. He's the youngest yeah. Premier League goal scorer. So right, um, yeah, and, oh. yeah, and that's his hometown club and everything. But like, listen, Millie, if he wants to, could play to his forty, no problem. Because ultimately, you know, even if he isn't able to play that midfield role that he wants to play, the way he plays it, he'd still yeah. be able to to go back to a fullback or go back to centre half. Like, I, I, no problem. Because his ability, his work rate, everything that he'll put into his performance is top top draw, and and like I say, he's 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 one of a kind. I don't think you you find many like him. No, okay, definitely. Oh, great. Let's go. So, other, mid, other one. Yeah. So the other one, I'm just going to get up um, some of the other teams he's played for. But I played obviously with this player in England. He's um, he was born in France. Uh, he played for Lens, uh, Linares, which I think is in Spain. Rio Vallecano in Spain. But when he came to England, he signed for Wigan Athletic. So his first club, Wigan Athletic, you might not really remember him there. But he played um, 
96 game league games for, for Wigan in the Premier League. He then went on to West Ham, um, played, he's, he is a centre midfielder, but he played him on the wing a lot and I think he become frustrated. He then um, joined me at Hull City um, in 2014 and, um, and stayed for, for two seasons before leaving for Newcastle, um, who had actually just been relegated from the Premier League. He joined Newcastle United. And um, yeah, at the moment, he's playing in uh, Qatar for a team called Al-Ali. So I don't think you'll know him from, obviously, the Al-Ali, but he's also a Senegal international. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's a, it's a difficult one to give you more, but he basically is in my team. He scored the winning goal in, in the playoff final for us at Hull. Um, against Sheffield Wednesday, and it's uh, it's Mo Diarmi. I was going to say Diarmi. Another name, another. You should have said it. Mo Diarmi. Oh, do you know what? At the start of it, I didn't. I don't know why. I had Zogbier in my head. Because did you play with Charles and Zogbier as well? No, he he got there as I think I was technically still on the books when he signed, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't. I never played with him. If you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so Mo Diarmi. Sorry, Mo Diarmi. Then. Yeah. So Mo Diarmi. Um, again, turned up from West Ham. I'd obviously played against him. Uh, seen him at Wigan, seen him at West Ham. Obviously knew he was a, a decent player, but until he came in the building, didn't realise how good he was. Strong as an ox. Um, not 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 into not not the one that's gonna you know like the Huddleston gonna be pl- spraying the sixty yard seventy yard balls. He can he can play a pass, but he's the one you know if he does come deep, gets the ball, he's gonna turn someone with strength and a skill, and he's gonna get you up the pitch and and then create chances, score goals, um, and and he was just. Like I say, the engine that that drove you on, you know, it was all good. You know, we had Tom and Jake behind him, so he had that maybe license, maybe to join in more and create stuff. But a silky player, skillful, could beat a man with a skill, could beat a man with just by knocking it past him with pace. Um, but yeah, I couldn't not have him in my team after scoring the goal in the playoff final to get us back to the Premier League. Even though Judas Dustin and left and went to Newcastle, um, had to have him in the team. Like his ability, like I say. Very, very underrated in my opinion. I think I think there was like years ago, I think after he was leaving Wigan, there was a room he was going to go to, to Arsenal actually, I think. But I think something happened with his medical. But if he was in the Arsenal team, he would not have looked out of place. That's how good he is. And and I think he's, he's a player that, as I say, would be slightly unlucky because, you know, with all due respect, us at Hull, um, yeah, we played good football or tried to play good football and, and he was good football in our team. But, you know, if he was at Arsenal where he's able to lay on five, six chances a game for players and getting assists and getting things like that, his, 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 his name would have taken higher stock than, than it deserved. So that's why I've got Mo Diarmi in there. Great footballer, um, quiet guy, you know, um, kept himself to himself most of the time, got involved a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, gentle giant. But yeah, if you cross him, he, he's strong as an ox. And, and he, Did he, he score enough goals him. though, do you think? For an attacking midfielder, do you think he scored enough goals? Um I think if you're playing, he, if you're playing one striker, you need those three to chip in with goals, don't you? Yeah, Ash will score you goals, uh, Millie will score you goals. But I think if you've got that kind of supply, my my, my goal scorer is going to score. Don't worry, my my striker, yeah. he, he's going to. It don't matter. You just give him one chance, he's going to score. So that's that's what I'm, I'm banking on. I'm banking the fact that with those three in the attacking midfield, with you know still with GB and and Huds behind them, um, this guy's going to have enough chances to score. So. Mo can be the, the one that, you know, that, that will sometimes be the decoy to run past and, and make them bursting runs in behind to, to make the space. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a top talent. And like I say, I think he could create some chances for my, for my goal scorer. Who is? 
And and before so, my... before before you before oh, you striker, I did mention of the like, and I, I I try and get different questions and stuff. And now this is something which has been in my head. I'm in my mind from from when I've obviously watched you play the game. I have to mention it because it's like the FA Cup final. I mean, everyone's boys' dreams to play in the FA Cup final, as you know, Curtis. You played yep. in there and were and scored two 0 up. Now, I mean. Well, just, just, just talk to me, I mean, about the whole experience of being able to be playing in the cup final one, the score in a cup final, because I watched the game, and I, I think it was the year after Boise as well. I think I'd lifted it. I think I'm, I'm yeah. right. Yeah, it? it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then year I'm thinking, Boise. like, I'm thinking two Luton boys, and I'm thinking two nil up now, just come on, two Luton boys are going to lift the cup. I think that's, that's going to ex Luton boys and whatever. Uh, yeah. What was it like? Just depressed me now, Marv. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 the, it's the only the only thing that I can describe as in one, it was the peak and the pit of my career. You know, we always talk about being a kid, playing in a playground, playing Wembley with your mates, yeah. up against a wall with some dirty tennis ball that you've found. Do you know what I mean? Like and scoring the goal and peeling away. I lived that moment. You know, I lived that moment. I scored, put us 2-0 up after eight minutes. And obviously my celebration, if you remember, I just literally peeled off running away like a madman. I didn't do no dance or anything. Like, I was just, I've scored in the cup final. Mad. Just all them emotions of, like I say. I think I think I would have passed out. I'll be honest, I think I, think I would have passed out. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I swear. I, cause I, I got like goose pimples and everything. When you score, I'm out. <laughs> there's a great finish, by the way. You a, it was like a second chance, wasn't it? You, you hit it save and then yeah. you squeeze it in i got goose pimples and all that i think i would if that was me on that field i think i would have passed out i would yeah. have I, I think the adrenaline like say of the of the excitement of the game in terms of the adrenaline took over me when i scored roaring but then i think if you see me i lay on the floor i calm down and as soon as i get up i'm on back on focus i'm back on right that's it back to it now you know i had that i had that mm. 15, 10 15 seconds of of joy of of giddiness of childhood fantasy and then as soon as I, I, uh, I think Hud picks me up off the floor, I'm back to focus and I'm just looking at, like, looking, concentrating. Um, uh, but that, again, talking about playing in the cup final, amazing opportunity to play at Wembley first and foremost in the semi-final, then to play there in the final again, captain your side in the cup final, um, you know, meeting um, Prince, Prince William, introducing him to your team, things like that. It's, it's all the whole occasion. But, you know, just because we were there and we were playing Arsenal, we weren't there to make up the numbers. We weren't there for a day out. We were there to try and, and do something. You know, this is this might be the only chance we 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 have to win something. And and for me, it has been so far in my career. Only only far now I've played part in obviously other than a playoff. So for me, it's everything. You know, I was I was. It's the best season of, of football I've ever played. Um, so I, I backed myself. You know, I, I was I was ready for this game. I, I, I this was my level. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we probably even being totally honest, went two 0 up too soon. Because... I, I, I disagree with you. See, I mean, if someone said to me now, and I was, I was going to ask you that question, well, do you think you could have gone tune up to... Listen, I'll take 2-0. I don't care if you're playing oh, Real yeah. Madrid or whatever. I'll take 2 nil. And I get what you're saying, and probably psychologically is like, you've still got like 72 minutes, I mean, sorry, 82 minutes to go. Like, yeah. But I'll take two goals. I'd rather be 2 nil up than 2 nil down. Oh, definitely. That. Yeah, that, that, that is a case. But it's just, you know, Arsenal at the time were a wounded animal in the league. They weren't, they weren't challenging for the title as they would have liked to. So they hadn't won anything for 10 years since, I think it's coming up to 10 years since they'd last won the FA Cup when Vieira scored the penalty against Manchester United. So I think it was coming up to 10 years. They hadn't won anything. 
So it was massive for them. And by going 2-0 up that early, if we'd gone up 2-0 up maybe just on the stroke of half time, yeah. it would have meant they would have come out gung-ho and it would have meant we maybe could have exploited them on the counter-attacking open spaces. But all it meant is Arsenal calmed it down. You know, we nearly went 3-0 up. Alex Bruce had one cleared off the line as well from Kieran Gibbs. But they calmed it down. They kept the ball. They kept doing what they do. And unfortunately, the, the worst thing that happened to us, they scored, not literally just before half-time, but they scored before half-time. So when they went in at half-time, the team talks a little less aggressive, a little, the, the tactics are a little less aggressive because they've now got 45 minutes to rectify it. And that's, that's, that still sticks with me, the fact that, you know, the goal, you, you pick up the bones out of everything. The goal, you know, Alex, Alex Bruce makes a, a rush tackle. So the free kick they get. But Griggsy, uh, Alan McGregor, the goalie himself said he should have saved it because he steps to his right and then goes left and it's too late. It's Hansi Cazorla puts in the top bins. And then the second goal was, one, it wasn't a corner. Um, so that that still haunts me, um, if you really want to know. It wasn't a corner. Um, and then, you know, the way they score it, it, it comes in. And, you know, if, 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 you, if you get a centre-half, come and power it in um, because they've jumped really well, timed it really well. But it was a case where um, I think the ball was headed by, um, I can't remember what player, but headed by maybe McShane onto the back of Jake Livermore. Yeah. And basically, Koscielny's just looking like that where the ball's going, it bounces off, bouncing, and it just bounces in front of him and he just toes it into the net. And then from there, you know, we ran our legs because we'd been hanging on already. This was 70 minutes. Um, we got to 90 minutes, but then, in, you know, in extra time, they bring on Jack Wilshere and Thomas Rizicki. <laughs> bring on two international players and we're out on our feet. Um, so, yeah, in the end, you know, Aaron Ramsey scores a fantastic winner. Um, but for us, it was, for me personally, you know, it was obviously very gutting. And, and the biggest thing I said to people, you know, after the game, I was so focused still. I still had that adrenaline of shaking hands, congratulating people. I'm a gentleman. You know, I've lost the game, but I'm not going to sulk. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to look you in your eye. And a lot of them, to be fair, like, you didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. A lot of the Arsenal players, Mertesacker, people like that. I'm thinking, yeah, but for me, it means nothing. I've not, I've, I, I deserved it because yeah. we lost the game. But I'm picking all the players up, picking my players up, patting on the back. Listen, we gave it a good go. Yeah, no one expected anything of us. We gave it a good go, blah, blah. But the thing that killed me was Thomas Vermaelen, who hadn't even played in the game. He was on the bench. He'd been injured and, you know, had had a few problems. Didn't even play in the game. He walks up the stairs, see Royal Box, blah, blah. And then he lifts the trophy. Now, for me, I'm the captain who just scored in the cup final, puts your team 2-0 up. And this guy who hasn't kicked a ball is now lifting the trophy that should have been mine. And I just turned into a blubbering wreck. Literally, that was it. It was, it was weird. It was like, it was like bang, yeah. the shower come on, just... Eyes were streaming, crying my eyes out like a little baby. Um, but ultimately, it was what it was. Um, got over it. But I think a big disappointment for me that season as well is after all that, um, you know, I didn't get a sniff for England. Um, if I'm being totally honest, I think I was playing out of my skin. Uh, regardless of me playing for Hull, I'm, I'm, I'm playing in the Premier League week in, week out. I'm battling with the likes of the Lukaku's, you know, the Roonies, you know, whoever it is, and, I, and I'm holding my own at a whole team. So it should, if anything, it should get more credit. But um, I think, you know, at that time, our centre-halves weren't that strong. Or they, weren't, they weren't, as, as England, we, we didn't have the strongest centre-halves then. Um, so I think I, I should have at least got a shot at it, even if it were for friendly or something, to see what I could offer. Um, but yeah, that, that never happened then. And, and like I say, I, I honestly believe I probably deserved it more then 
than I did when I was first at Aston Villa. But hey-ho, it, it never happened, so I'll, I'll have to get on with it. <laughs> no, I mean, and thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, that's, I mean, again, like I said, I, I, was, I was a fan as well, of obviously, that day. And I just was just curious to see how you, it felt like doing something which, like you just said, everyone dreams of playing the cup final and scoring the cup final. Unfortunately for you, you ended up on the losing side. But, I mean... That's one of those things. Yeah, no, no one never take that away from me. You listen, that, that individual moment, nobody can ever take away. So even, you know, I could show my grandkids, my great grandkids, whatever, however many years time, your, your great granddad scored in there. And nobody can ever take that away from you. You know, whatever, however many goals, you know, there's some players that have scored hundreds of goals in their careers and they've never scored an FA Cup final. So yeah. I've got that on them. <laughs> Talking about right, goals, so on, now onto the striker. On, so onto my goal scorer, yeah. Even there though, yeah, he's got scored a few more than me. Um, so again, played with some good strikers. Carew, uh, uh, Mount Mountain, lazy, but strongest man in the world. Knew where the goal was. Good finisher. You know, when you when you think about a big guy, you think he's more going to bundle people and, and roll it in. No, good finisher, John. 1v1, you'd fancy him. Like, as, as you're going through, you think, yeah, he's sticking this away. Um, played with John, played with Gabby at Bon Lahore, same club. Gabby, I think Gabby could have been whatever he wanted, if I'm being totally honest. When at that time at Aston Villa, similar to Ash um, that season, he was he was playing for England. He he was on fire, and I think he could have kicked on if he really wanted to. I think the biggest thing for him is that he was playing for his hometown club, the club he supported as a boy. He was satisfied, and I think um, you know he ended up obviously staying for Aston Villa the whole of his career, which fair play, you know, a one club man is is admirable. But I think, you know, if he really kicked on, he could have gone to the likes of the Arsenals or the, the Chelsea's or the Cities with a lot challenging for titles because he was that good at that time. Um, also played with Canu at, at West Brom. Um, magician with his feet. I think he's got the slowest nutmeg on me. Slowest and furthest nutmeg on me <laughs> that anyone's ever done. He made me from about two metres away, but I think it went through my legs at about two miles an hour. It was, he, he, he just did this thing because he's got the size 14s. He did this thing with his foot where he obviously just flopped it. But like I kind of half stepped towards it and it just trickled through my legs and I didn't have time to close the legs. And I thought, <laughs> do I try and close them and just smash my knees together or just just, just accept the greatness that Canu's brought out? Um, but yeah, Canu was was brilliant, great footballer. Kev Campbell was there as well, another former Arsenal player, Robert Earnshaw. Uh, played with Emil Heskey at Aston Villa. Brilliant. Um, again, I believe underrated uh, people used to speak about his goal record and things like that but I think it's, it's well documented ask any striker that's played with him who their favourite striker to play with is him because he's selfless you know he still scored goals still still a great finisher himself still still got goals but he was selfless so if it meant that he he takes one for the team and then Michael Owen scores two or Gabby scores two or if it's going to be that's what he did and, and, and ultimately he had a fantastic career you know lots of England caps World Cups everything um, and yeah, won the UEFA Cup with Liverpool. He, he did really well. But the person I've gone for, based on pure finishing ability and based on my midfield free, say creating chances, things like that. Um, this guy, I believe, I'll, I'll have to double check again, um, but I believe he started his career at Watford. Um, I just need to double check. Started his career yeah, at yeah. Watford. Uh, well, actually started at Bulldog Town beforehand, then played for Watford before. After Watford, he, he famously went to Sunderland, played a lot of games for Sunderland and, and, and formed a, a little and large partnership with a, with an, a famous striker that I, yeah. that I won't say yet. Then after Sunderland, he went to Southampton, scored goals again, Premier League, had a short stint at Aston Villa for a year before 
playing with me um, at West Brom. And then um, after West Brom, he, he's another one that's done the trio. He, he went to, to Birmingham City um, and had three years at Birmingham City and then to Blackpool. And then he, he, even after that, he, he kept going. He played up until he was um, 39, I think it was. Um, but yeah, played for Palace and then he played for Leicester towards the end of his career. Um, played for England eight times, didn't score. Um, but yeah, but when you talk about a natural finisher and talking about relying on someone to go and score the goal, if he gets one chance, I'd say more often than not, he's going to take it than not. That's what I mean. I'd have to play against him, surely, if they're not. Yeah, you probably would have played against him when he was at Watford, for sure, yeah. I would have yeah. thought so. Possibly even Sunderland. Depends on... Yeah, like... I, think, I think both. I think both. I think both. Yeah, because he played... So with, was it on... Yeah. Yep. Super good. He little large with Niall, Niall Quinn, wasn't he? Was it Niall Quinn he played with? Yeah, little and large with Niall Quinn. I didn't want to say Niall Quinn straight away because that just gives it away, but... Yeah. But, you're right, but you're right in what you're saying about your... Those three, it doesn't matter. He's he'll get he'll score goals yeah. in that team. Yeah, Kev Kev had the ability when when we were at um, West Brom. I played with him at Birmingham as well. Um, but when we were at West Brom, him and uh, Jim Ansi Kamara, Joe Kamara, they they had a great partnership up front, and um, you know they both scored like in the in the championship. I think they both scored over twenty goals, like and close to thirty goals for the season. But Kev, even though he was older. Um, he, he wasn't necessarily the, the major athlete in terms of he's getting around the pitch loads, but he just picked up the right positions. Was still a, a great pro in terms of in the gym, uh, monster on pull-ups, on, on core, on everything. Made sure his body was was looking after him, basically, to be able to get out there on the pitch. But on the pitch, he didn't need to run around like a headless chicken. He had Joe Kamara, who was quick, could run the channels, could, could take people out of the game. He knew where to stand and be it. Anywhere in and around the box. I, I fancied him. And talking about that one with Ashley Young, where he gets it on the left, just moves it an inch to his right foot and curls it in. If, if he does that, eight out of 10 are going in. Like just because he could hit the postage stamp more often than not. And it's only if he gets a block or the keeper makes an unbelievable save that he usually got saved. But eight out of 10 are going in. And I've not played with, in my opinion, a better finisher than him. And like I say, just his know-how, um, the, the ways he can score goals, he can score headers, he can score tap-ins. He can drop deep, get one and, and and turn and put it in the top corner. He had a little bit of everything. And and I worked with him as a coach at, um, at Derby as well for a while. But fantastic, fantastic player. Um, model pro, again, to look at, you know, talking about where you start your career and where you end your career. I think he was a little bit unlucky, unfortunate not to get more England caps. Um, but... Ultimately, you know, the area he was in, when, when I talk about my area of centre-halves, you know, you had the likes of Andy Cole, Alan Shearer, uh, Ian Wright. So there were a lot of players that were vowing for those places. Um, but great footballer, great, great finisher. And, and like I say, if you put it on a plate for him, if you put it in front of him, sorry, he's going to score him. Definitely, definitely. 100%. So, Gaffer, who is your Gaffer going to be to lead? Yeah, who's going to manage this team? <laughs> so this, is, this, is, this was the toughest one. You know, even though a manager would care less than some players would be like, why are we not in the team? But a manager wouldn't care, obviously. But there's a few different levels to this. So I'll give you my examples of... So Sven was a manager I played for. I only played 12 games for him when I was on loan at Leicester. But I credit him with saving my career in terms of, you know, I had after I was at Aston Villa, um, basically my last league game for Aston Villa, I, I um, scored, we won 3-1 at Anfield. And then the, the Thursday afterwards, I, I, uh, I dislocated my shoulder for the third time in a month. So I had to have an op. 
Um, coming back in in the January, I wasn't involved um, and I, I didn't look like I was going to be involved. So I asked the manager to go on loan. Uh, didn't let me go on loan. Said, no, 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 you'll be involved. You're, you're totally in my plans. It's, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So kind of come out with, okay, that's not too bad to hear that I'm going to be in the plans. But what happened was I was kind of eased into the squad and eased out of the squad as quick as that. So it was kind of the January, January window was open. So it's kind of in the squad, in the squad on the bench, in the squad on the bench, in the squad on the bench, in the squad not on the bench, and then left out just after January. So I couldn't go on loan because um, I could have gone to, to Wigan with uh, Bobby Martinez and also uh, to Celtic with Tony Mowbray. So I, was, I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, so, so basically I, I kind of was like stuck and I was disillusioned because I was at home watching games rather than being part of it. And then the new season started, a new manager came in, uh, didn't look at me, didn't look at me at all, like as if I'd never been there. And um, the most frustrating thing for me was, I, I believe it basically the politics where I needed two more games in my contract to get in an extra year. So I think they've made a decision that they're going to try and move me on. But if they tell me that, I'll seek to move on. Um, but what happened was, you know, new manager came in, Gerard Houllier, and um, <laughs> I had to come on in a cup game, um, EFL Cup game or Carabao Cup, where it's called at the time. Um, and I had to come on because Stephen Warnock got um, got injured. So I had to come on and I think one of the other lads went left back. So I came on. I did really well. I played for 25 minutes. I think I, I even assisted a goal with like a big header. So like one powerful header, assisted, go through, we score. See him on. So that's the Wednesday. I see him on the Thursday. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, just just to let you know, like you know, I know I haven't really been with you, and you haven't been with us that much. Blah blah. But he goes, after seeing the way you come into the game, you're ready. You're not sulking. Uh, you you give that performance. You get the assist. I'm gonna keep you really close to the team now. I want you to push them all the way. So there's me thinking, careers saved now. My Villa career, like, is still alive. <laughs> Next day, we travel away to somewhere. Um, squad goes up. I'm not in the squad. <laughs> so he wanted to keep me that close. That. He didn't even put me in the squad. I'm thinking, even if I'm in the squad and not on the bench, it still would have been yeah. a, a step up for me. Right. Um, so that kind of, like, again, lower than a snake's belly. But I was fortunate enough that, um, obviously, back then, the windows, you could could go on loan outside the the transfer, the permanent transfer window. And and basically, my agent called me and said, um, do you want to go on loan? I said, well, where? Thinking, oh, Premier League's too, like, can't go Premier League, can you? He's like, well, you know, you go Championship, you go to Leicester. I thought, well, Sven. And, and that was the draw. It was, you know... Sven, former England manager, has asked for me on loan. He'd literally been there two days and he asked for me on loan. So for me, it was like the England, former England manager wants to sign me on loan. So I thought, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go there. So literally, first thing I did, walked in the door. Uh, Curtis, nice to meet you. Uh, you can express yourself. I know what you do. Like shook my hand and just said, uh, enjoy yourself. And that was it. And for me, and that, that, was is, it. That's, that was it. That's all I needed. That's all I needed because for me, I then stepped onto a pitch and I thought, there's no no pressure here at all. Other than from myself, there's no pressure. And then I had a really good first game and, and I did really well at Leicester. And, and like I said, I credit him with saving my career because if he hadn't taken me on loan then, I might have just been one of them, another another five months out playing, no one sees you, then no one wants to sign you because you haven't played and then no one wants to pay your wages kind of thing because you... And then I could have just ended up just seeing out my contract at Villa and then just going down right down the leagues. But because of that, he saved me and, and, and kept me at a decent level. So... I credit Sven for that. Um, one of the best I've worked with in terms of what they do um, when he came into Hull was Marco Silva in terms of troubleshooting. He came into a squad that was struggling for confidence, not as good as most teams, but he tried to play a style of football that was aggressive, um, really, really detailed, the most meticulous manager I've ever played with and I've taken a lot from him that if I move forward with my coaching, 
um, that I would like to implement on my team. Um, had had the the team on side because he had this this thing where he has to shake your hand and look you in the eye every single day. So whether you've been left out, um, whether you've been dragged off, whether you started the game and scored, he treats you every single one of you the same. And he addresses it by looking you in the eye, shaking your hand, good morning, good morning. So I think it just cuts that tension that rather than the manager ignoring you when he's left you out, he's addressing you saying, good morning. So you've seen him face to face. So if you want to say anything, you can, but also you know that he hasn't ignored you. So I think that was a, that was a good thing, but he was a great coach and I'm, I'm really surprised it hasn't worked out for him over here. Um, I've, I've played for Gary Rowett, good. Obviously, Mike Newell was brilliant for me, gave me my start. Tony Mowbray, good football. Brian Robson, legend. But, the man I'm going to go for is is he started his career as a coach at Spurs. Um, had a had a long long career at Spurs as a coach before um, joining Birmingham. Uh, well, before joining Newcastle, sorry, with um, Joe Kinnear as an assistant. And then after Newcastle, he um, he got Newcastle promoted. But after losing the Newcastle job, he then um, came to Birmingham. And after Birmingham, he went on to to manage. So where's he been? He's been Norwich. He's been to Brighton. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And he's 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 currently at Nottingham Forest. Chris Hutton. Yes. Yep. So Chris Hutton. I have to say, Chris Hutton as as the total package. Chris is the best best man, man I've worked for. What a guy. Um, almost like you know, like obviously really close to my father, but he's almost got that father figure within him. Um, that that relaxed kind of way of doing things, but good coach in terms of when he's hands-on if he wants to be hands-on he's a good coach because that was his background you know he was, he was a coach for long um man management second to none you know we had a, even though we were a championship we had a, a strong 24-man squad and he had everyone on side there wasn't there wasn't anyone in the change room afterwards that like like it was like, like annoyed that they left out but it was never kind of directed to him he's a this he's a that it was always oh the gaffer's left me oh it's out of order blah blah nothing directed to him and you know the job that he did with us at Birmingham considering that as I said earlier when with Stephen Carr we went down and we lost basically I wasn't I wasn't in that starting 11 but we lost say 10 of the starting 11 only Carr stayed so to lose all those players rebuild a whole team on a dodgy budget because there were certain financial issues with the chairman at the time as well and then still go and push for the playoffs was was fantastic. And, and listen, like it's easy to say, you know, you've just gone down for Premier League. But as I said, we lost ten of the starting lineup, and even more from the bench. So you know, we lost we lost obviously ten for the starting lineup, but it still had like you know we had Hleb, um, David Bentley um, on the bench, uh, Oberfemi Martins. They, they were like on the bench wow. and stuff like that. So we lost a lot of players, um, but fortunately we had Christy. And he was he was a magician with the work that he did, and you know with his team he had he had Paul Trollop and he had um, Colin Calderwood at one point as well, but Colin left shortly after. But yeah, but he he was fantastic man manager, coaching, keeping you balanced in terms of you lose a game uh, one nil, but you've battered them. He'll come and say, listen, that's it happens. You know we just didn't take our chances. You know we got to take those chances. Yes. But we play like that every week. We're going to beat teams. And the other side of it is you win a game 2-0, 2-1. Yeah, we got away with one there. Lads, we got away with one. Like, angry voice. Got away with one. Like, we can't do that against these kind of teams because we need to see these games off, blah, blah, blah. We, nearly, we got away with one. And, and that's the kind of way he was. So he kept you always on the balance, never too excited, never too, never too sad. And, and I think that really worked with the squad that we had. And again, bringing through a few young players, um, integrating them into the team, and then, um, yeah, obviously, after having that one year with him, uh, he left for Norwich and I, I nearly signed for him, I think. <laughs> I think every single window 
Uh, I nearly signed for him. I think I signed, nearly signed for him four windows in a row when he was at Norwich. Um, but it never happened. It, it just never happened. I ended up going to to Hull, and um, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it would have been nice to to work with him again. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hope, hoping in the next few years, you know, if he needs someone for his coaching team or anything, I might still be a friend of his, and and he can he can give me a job then. But yeah, what a guy, and, and like I say, what a gentleman uh, first and foremost. That's brilliant. Um, so that was your eleven, and that was Chrissy Hooten to manage it. Um, the connection between you and I is is the Luton connection, and the question what I like to ask at the end is your most memorable Luton game, Curtis, and why? Um, this is actually easy. There's been a, a couple of really good ones that, in terms of, I can give you just an example of a couple that were important. Were first game in the Championship, playing against the Crystal Palace side that had just been relegated. And Andy Johnson had got the golden boot in the Premier League, even in the relegated side, and then just managed to keep him quiet. We win the game. You start off to a flyer winning at Crystal Palace, and then you go straight to Southampton on the Wednesday. You beat Southampton 3-2 in a thriller. And then you're going against Leeds at a home game again. You draw nil-nil with Leeds. All of a sudden, you're top of the championship with seven points. You're like, how has this happened? But that for me was, they were really important games because I'm playing against three Premier League teams pretty much. And I was holding my own. And, and that's, for me, that mentality that, you know, I've played these back-to-back. It's not one good game. I've played these back-to-back yeah. and I know I can do this. I can, I can do this level, no problem. And I wasn't really thinking about the next level. Um, but obviously I moved, three games later, I moved and I went to the Premier League and, and that was a, an, another step altogether. But they were really important games for me in terms of development. But my favourite game and most memorable has to be um, playing Wrexham away. Beating Wrexham away, winning the title, scoring my first professional goal on St George's Day in Wales. What, what more can you ask for? You know, it was, it, was written, it was written for me. It was written for me. You know, we were 1-0 down. Um, and then, you know, I, I managed to score my first ever goal after obviously 40-odd games of trying. Got my first goal. And then luckily for me as well, which made it special, was obviously Coyne ended up getting the winner, which meant we definitely won the league that day. And, you know, to be there, all those fans. Uh, I, honestly, I could, I'm getting tingles now and, and just thinking back to it, just just the thought of of being able to go back to that moment. Like I said, that FA Cup moment as well. But just just that moment and that day. And, and you know, I just remember going into the crowds that people are chucking down like little trophies, um, tinfoil trophy things. And, and we went back to Luton and we all, all got, went out in our tracksuits. I can't remember the name of the bar now. Um, one of a guy, Kev knew, who used to own it in town. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, we all went there in our tracksuits and things like that, like just just running the, the town basically. But it was it was an amazing, amazing game and, and a memorable, memorable game um, individually. But, you know, to, to win a title in your first year as a pro, but then scoring the game that you win it and, and then, like I say, St. George's Day in Wales, it was it was extra. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, I love to hear those games. Love those memories of those games. And I know that that was, um, it was great watching you grow up as, um, as a young pro. And you say it was, it was great at that time because you had yourself. Then we had Leon Barnett pretty much take your shoes straight away after, which was another fantastic thing to see yeah. another then young young player come through the youth setup. So um, great to see and great to talk to you, Curtis. And that was Curtis Davis, my best 11. Thank you so much for your time, Curtis. Uh, we both myself and Mark really appreciate it.